chapter 2. Verse 1. I lifted up mine eyes and looked. Behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem to see what is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. And behold, an angel that talked with me went forth. And another angel went out to meet him and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. Also when you're hearing Amos chapter 7 and verse 1. Thus Hath the Lord shewed unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. And lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. And it came to pass that when they had made an end of the eating of the grass of the land, then I said, O Lord God, forgive. I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord repented for this. It shall not be, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, thus hath the Lord shewed unto me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep and did eat up apart. Then said I, O Lord God, cease. I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord repented for this, this also shall not be, saith the Lord God. Thus he shewed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon the wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand, and said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, I will not again pass by them anymore. One final passage of Scripture is found in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side, 
And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. To the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite, and let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly young and old, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. And it came to pass while they were slaying them, I was left. That I fell on my face and cried and said, Oh, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of fury upon Jerusalem? And he said unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great. And the land is full of blood and the city of perverseness, for they say the Lord hath forsaken the earth and the Lord seeth not. As for me also mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I have, will have recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with the linen which hath the inkhorn by his side reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. I apologize for such lengthy reading this morning. But I want to speak on the subject that I believe that the Lord has placed upon my spirit. And that subject is entitled, When God Measures His House. When God Measures His House. Dear Lord, we come to you, Lord, humbly asking you to move in the remainder of this service. God, we're nothing but flesh, but, oh, Lord, we ask that your word would go forth. Let it be the oracles of the Lord Jesus. Let it not return void. My God, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord God, your word is not bound, and I ask, Lord, that it not be bound now. Bind every spirit that would seek to disrupt the moving and the will of the Holy Ghost in this building today, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, let it be done for your glory and for your power in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. We have read to you three different passages of Scripture, two of them specifically 
dealing with measurements and with surveying. I know back last year when I bought my first house in all of our marriage that one of the things that was required before the funding would be given, one of the major things was that a surveyor must come out. And the surveyor will come and will measure according to the plat that was laid out to be sure that everything is in line. Webster's defines a survey as to determine the exact dimensions and position of something by measurements and the application of geometric and trigonometric principles. A detailed formal or official examination as to ascertain condition or character. And so it is necessary in our world if you're to purchase property that first the property must be properly surveyed to be sure that everything is in line. This past week I was uh, enjoying mowing the beautiful East Texas grass, hallelujah. And while I was mowing uh, just the property to the adjacent to me in the rear of my property, there is a home there and there were surveyors out and uh, he was having a difficult time. He was looking uh, along the fence line and there was some brush there and uh, I turned off my mower to speak to him and he said, is it possible that I could get in your yard so that I could find the, the markings and the place, the, the stone that is supposed to be here that would mark the cornerstone of this particular property? I said, well, you'll have to go all the way around to that double gate over there, uh, which is a good little walk for him. But uh, he didn't mind. He'd come around and he dug and he dug and he dug and he could not find that corner marker uh, that was uh, supposed to be there. And so finally he goes back around to the property and digs there and on the inside of the fence line in the corner, there he found the cornerstone and he put his little uh, post down that had the orange flag signifying that he had surveyed properly the land. But today I bring to you something that I believe that God has placed in my spirit and I'm going to deliver it to you and I'll leave it there for you to determine between you and your God. I believe that God today has determined that it is time to measure his house. That it is time for him to go and to seek out the souls that attend this church and that are members of this church and would like to be members of this church. Souls of mankind that are in this building today. God wants to seek, to stir and to look and to see exactly how your soul measures up to the word of God. If I'm allowed out there, bring it down, but I don't need it brought down here. Okay, I understand I've got a big mouth, praise the Lord, and all the saints said amen. I probably don't even need a mic, but, you know, such as it is. We find in the book of Amos, 
that God begins to speak to the prophet there. And he begins to show him things in the spirit pertaining to the nation in which he lived. And he's beginning to show him grasshoppers that begin to devour things, the grass of the land. You'll find in verse 2 it says in Amos chapter 7, and it came to pass when they had made an end of the eating of the grass of the land, then said I, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. Now, this passage of scripture that I've read to you out of Amos is one that is special to me. For many years ago, this would have been in the early, early 2000s. I went to a church in another state. And I'll never forget the night that I spent there, the first night. As I was asleep, an unclean spirit came, and I felt it as it sat on my bed. I felt it as the, the mattress began to go down. I, I felt that spirit. And immediately I was awakened, and I could feel that old nasty spirit there. And I immediately began to pray against that spirit. And as I was praying against that spirit, the Lord showed me this scripture. And in that scripture, you'll find there were three separate times that God began to deal with the people of the Lord. You'll find first that it was the grasshoppers that were sent to devour the grass of the lamb. And somewhere in the eating of the grass of the lamb, we find that Amos goes back to God. He said, oh God, forgive. I, I'm asking you, Lord, how can Jacob arise? How is it possible that God's people can do anything? How can it survive? How can it be? For he is small. There's not much left. And God spoke and said, I have turned from this, and it shall not be, saith the Lord. And then he begins to show him of something else that was in his heart. There was a great fire that would begin to be called to contend by power. And what Amos saw was that it devoured the great deep and did eat up a part. And Amos goes back to the Lord and he says, Oh, Lord God, cease. I beseech thee. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. It's just not right, Lord. There's not much left of Jacob. How can Jacob ever, ever recover? How in the world can God's people recover if you allow this to come upon and the Lord spoke again the second time 
He said in verse 6 that he repented or turned from this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord. That's twice that the Lord said this is what I would normally do. But because you have prayed, I will turn from that and I will not cause it to happen. But then he began to show him a third thing. And verse 7 says he showed me that he stood, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line. And with the plumb line in his hand, he said, Amos, what are you looking at? What do you see? He said, I see a plumb line. And the Lord said, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not again pass by them again. A plumb line. It's used often in building buildings to be sure that everything is straight according to the gravity of the earth. Nowadays, they, they use laser beams for all this kind of stuff, but the, the old way of building buildings, you would have a weight on a string and you would hold that thing a certain way and, and the gravity of the earth would let you know whether or not if you're a bricklayer that, uh, that all of your bricks are in a straight line and that they're not running at a wobbly pace or they're leaning the wrong way. The plumb line was the one that they used in ancient technology to be able to determine whether or not uh, things were in order and that everything was correct. Nowadays, again, they'll use laser beams and squares, but back then... The plumb line was the, it was the major technology that was used. And the Lord spoke unto Amos. He said, Amos, I'm standing on a wall that is built with a plumb line and I've got something in my hand. Can you tell me exactly what that is? And Amos said, I see a plumb line there. He said, that's right. I'm going to judge Israel by the plumb line. I'm going to measure and I'm going to determine to see if Israel is going to measure up. And if Israel cannot measure up, then I will not pass by their way again. In the first point, I wanted to destroy them with grasshoppers where it would destroy all of the vegetation. And then at one point, I wanted to destroy by fire, but Prayer changed all of that when the, the prophet said, oh, God, don't do that. For Jacob is small. Don't do that, Lord. Whatever you do, Lord, don't do that. And finally, God says, but yet there's something that I will not return from. There is something that I will not repent of. There is something that I will not change my mind on. I will hold the plumb line up and I will determine whether or not they measure up. I want somebody to know today God is in the house right now to measure those that would measure up to whether or not you're living according to the word of God. You can't be just almost right. You got to be dead right. You got to be born again of the water and of the spirit or you can't enter. Our Sunday school lesson was on whether or not how important is the Holy Ghost. 
And Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is scratching his head. How can this be? Do I, does a man enter and back into his mother's womb? This don't seem right. I, he said, no, you're not getting it yet, Nicodemus. I'm not paraphrase just a little. He said, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Or you can't enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean, preacher? I'll tell you what that means. That means that no matter how good you are, no matter how much money you give to the church, no matter how much you come to church, no matter how much you pray, it really is not going to get you into the kingdom of God. Now, God hears prayer when it's in repentance. That's the only time that he hears a sinner's prayer. Other than that, if you're in sin, he's not even going to hear your prayer unless first you repent. But when you repent, it's for a reason. It is to bring you further, closer to salvation because the first step in salvation is indeed repentance. First, you must believe that he is. This was all taught this morning that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You got to believe that he exists. I said, you got to believe that he exists. You got to believe that he exists. And then, secondly, you got to believe that he rewards those that are diligent to seek after him. You got to be persistent in seeking after God. You can't just seek God one time and say, Well, I tried. No, you got to do it with everything that you've got and say, It's the most important thing in my life, and I'm not backing down until I touch the face of God and I hear from God. I must touch God. He's a rewarder of them that diligently, that means persistently. If you pride yourself in being hard-headed, then this scripture can apply to you. If you want something from God, if you want salvation from God, then you're going to have to be hard-headed enough to stick in there and stay in there and say, I made up my mind. I'm getting what I've got to have from God. Jesus said, you got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. you got to be born again of water. That's baptism in his name. Oh, somebody said, well, what about the titles? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Father is Jesus. The Son is Jesus. The Holy Ghost is Jesus. It's only one name, friend, and the titles point to the name of Jesus. You must be born again of the water. Well, baptism is just a, it's a ritual. That's what some say. That it's not really necessary that you go down in water. Well, I've got big news for you. The word baptize means to completely immerse. So that when you're baptized, it's hard to be immersed in a simple cup of water. So it's more than just a ritual. It's obedience to the word of God. 
And if you cannot obey the word of God, then my friend, you cannot be saved. Oh my God, we must be born again of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I'm so glad I've been buried in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad I've been baptized into that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And then later, I found a way to be baptized and then I began to seek after the Holy Ghost and I sought after the Holy Ghost. I'd like to tell you the first time I sought after the Holy Ghost that God gloriously filled me with the Holy Ghost, but he didn't. Come on, Sister Bev, I need an amen. And it's not God's fault. It's between our ears. That's where the problem lies. It's not that God would withhold any good thing from you. Somebody said, well, I prayed one time and I talked to God and, and God didn't give me everything that I needed and so I guess he, he just don't want to give it to me. No, 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 no. You're, you're missing the whole point. Oh, you got to knock and ask that you would receive. Seek, knock, and ask. you got to do these things before God will move for you. Be persistent. Continually seek after him. Continually seek after him. Not just the one time, but every single day. I told somebody one time that they, you know, they, they was wanting to get baptized. I said, look, before you get baptized, friend, you're going to have to seek after the Holy Ghost. Because actually, to be baptized, you're just getting wet unless it's for a purpose. Unless it is for a divine purpose, you need to be seeking the Holy Ghost. I said, every time you come to church, you need to be seeking the Holy Ghost. If you don't get it the first night, you just keep trying until you get it. I like to wore out the saints of the Most High God until finally one day I got a hold to something and I finally figured out how that it was God wanted me to do. All he wanted me to do was work worship him and love him after I've repented and then God will do the rest. Something got a hold of me and I began to speak in a heavenly language that no one taught me and I spoke with other tongues and was born again of the Spirit. But God measures his house. Are you measuring up to what God has called you? He's calling to somebody today. You wouldn't be here except the Spirit draw you. Because Jesus said, no man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And you may have thought that you just wanted to come to church, but really, it was the Spirit of God that was drawing on you. Sometimes we don't listen, and it's to our disadvantage. But when you begin to obey the Spirit, as God draws you by His Spirit, He's drawing you. It's the Spirit of truth that is drawing you into salvation. I need somebody to pray right now. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice unto the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Could it be that the Lord in this house, he's got a plumb line in his hand. Or maybe it's a measuring stick. And he comes by. And he holds that thing up. And he looks to see how that you measure up. Is there something missing in your spirit as God rings the plumb line and he holds it over your soul and he says, is there something missing in your soul? Is there something that should be that is not there? Oh, God is in the house right now and he's talking to the hearts of men and women in this building right now. I declare unto you, God is a merciful God, but the spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. There will come a time that God will say, I've held the plumb line for the last time and now I will not pass by anymore. I have seen where God removes his influence from a man. And he steps back and says, all right. I've measured you and found you wanting. I have talked with you and dealt with you for many times, but you won't listen. So now I'm going to step back in the shadows and I'm going to turn you over to that which has drawn you away from my spirit for many years. Saint of God, I feel it in the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to tell it. Because if I don't tell it, then your blood's on my hands. And that's not going to happen. But I'm going to tell what God put in my spirit. And you dissimulate it according to the Holy Ghost that you feel this day. There is a spirit that is in this world right now that questions authority. It questions authority. It says, we don't need authority. Look at your world. Look at your nation. They're defunding police departments. I don't know. I'm not trying to get into politics, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The man that holds the highest office in the land, I don't know if he's mentally all right or not. He says some things that's awful crazy. And people question leadership these days. And it's becoming worse and worse. And it's starting to creep into the church. That the pastor is no longer has the authority 
to be able to expound the word of God and to see what thus saith the word of the Lord and for us to be able to line up to the word of God. For whether you believe it or not, the ministry has been called for such a purpose. It's not one that I enjoy at times. There are things like today that make it very uncomfortable for me to hold the position in which I hold. But as the pastor of this church, God has called me to hold you accountable and to hold myself accountable. For there are times that I look at myself and I say, my God, Lord, you've got to change this old boy. There's something, Lord, that shouldn't be and you're going to have to change me and help me. I want to do everything I can where I must be saved. I submit myself to the district board. I submit myself to Brother Darrell McCoy for he is the one that I said, I want you to be my pastor. Even though I am pastor, I want to be answerable to you. And if there's anything you see in me, you need to tell me and let me know. But today, the Lord has been talking to me and he's been telling me that that spirit is trying to creep into the United Pentecostal Church of Weeches. And I warn you in the Holy Ghost, this man is not perfect, but he is still your spiritual leader. And you've got to submit to the man of God. If you ever get to the place where you have no man of God to submit to, you are in dangerous territory. And you're going against the word of God. I didn't expect you to clap. I didn't expect you to amen me. But I'm telling somebody in the fear of the Lord right now, I am reaching for you. Oh God. Somebody needs to pray. In the book of Ezekiel, we find the prophet there. God had already spoken to him and shown him things in the previous chapter about how that even though on the outside everybody looked righteous and holy, but he found a door, a hole in the wall. And he began to go through that hole in the wall and he found imagery there of false gods laced and placed all across the walls of the imagery of the heart of the man. He went even further and he saw women weeping for the God of Tammuz. The God of Tammuz was an idolatry God and they believed that when the hot days of summer came, that their God would go into the earth and die for a season. And that is when they would weep for Tammuz, for he was dead, and the crops in that part of the country were in grave danger. But then, toward the fall, he would come back to life. And return, but yet then again, when the winter would come, their God would die again, and they would weep for Tammuz again. And here we find the prophet, he sees these women 
tearing themselves, ripping their hair, and crying for Tammuz, all in the house of the Lord. And we find in Scripture, in the ninth chapter of Ezekiel, that there were six men that came by the way of the higher gate, verse 2 of chapter 9, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. There were six angels with slaughter weapons in their hands. And one of them had an acorn tied to his waist as he came. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord left the cherub, which means the mercy seat, and goes to the threshold of the very door of the house of the Lord. And called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn in his hand. He said, I want you to go through the midst of the city and set a mark upon the foreheads of those men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that have been done in this city. As for the rest, you go and you spare not, but you slay all that live. These angels go, but before they go, there is an angel with an acorn strapped to his side as he goes and he comes to those that have a burden, those that are weeping much like Amos cried, no God, Jacob is small, Lord, how can he arise? Now we find Ezekiel's describing the angel of the Lord with a pen in his hand and he marks those that sigh and cry. those that have a burden, those that weep for the souls of men. He comes and he marks them that sigh and cry. The angel of the Lord comes and marks them that sigh and cry. They sigh and cry. If you look up those original words, In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it means literally to shriek in pain, to men mourning. They're with deep burden as they cry, and they weep for the souls of men. And the angel of the Lord says, I see that one with a burden. I'm going to mark that one. I'll mark that one. And I'll mark that one. But those that he finds without a burden, those that he finds that has no burden, there is no mark that is placed upon them. And so the six angels of the Lord, including the one with the acorn, they go and they pass through and they begin to slay those that were not having the mark because of the abominations, because of the sin, because of the things that caused them to not measure up. God is looking in the house. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. I know I'm into your lunchtime, but you remember it's my lunchtime too. 
God's measuring his house today. I feel unclean spirits as they fight against me. They don't want this message to go forth. And I realize that, but I also know I'm going to deliver my soul today. I'm going to tell you exactly what the Lord has told me. And you can do with it what you will, but the rest is in your hands. I can't do it for you. You're going to have to make up in your mind, my God, I've got to line up. I've got to do what is necessary. I've got to Lord and oh God I support the ministry I'm going to do everything I can to submit to the ministry God I told you about that church that God gave me the scriptures in Amos that I read to you That there were times that God said, no, I want to judge them, but no, I'll turn from that and it will not be so. But finally there came a time that the justice and the purity and the holiness of God says, I cannot tolerate anymore. I cannot tolerate anymore. The prideful, haughty spirit, the spirit that says it's not necessary for you to speak in tongues to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can't tolerate that anymore. It's in my scripture. If you can't seek and find it, then you're not measuring up to the plumb line. And God, he measured that church that I spoke of. Years later, that church was run by a man that was a Mormon. Mormons profess to be Christians, but yet they believe another gospel, which according to Paul, there is no other gospel. Let him be accursed. That's what Paul said. If you bring any other thing in which we have taught you, let him be accursed. They had a man in leadership in that church. And I witnessed online a video, Brother Charles, of them taking somebody into the baptismal tank. A one God apostolic church that God has said, I want you to read Amos 7, 1 through 7 and 8. And that's what's going to happen to that church. I watched as they baptized him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I watched it myself. See, when you start moving away from full truth and you say, well, just this little part right here I don't really think. And you move away from that. You stepped out of the mercies of God. And it may feel better for a while. Well, they tell me I've never walked away from God. But they tell me for those that walk away from God that for a little while you feel better. 
because the pressure's off. The enemy is no longer pressing you. He won you, so he lets you go. But when you step away from what is truth and you step away from what has been given to you, when you step away from that, God holds a plumb line. Doesn't take much to be off. Just one thing. One thing thou lackest. Just one. If you deviate away from the word of God just enough, you've missed the plumb line and you can be lost. Well, preacher, I've been hurt by preachers. That's why I don't want to submit to them. I could take that same argument. I've been hurt by saints, so I don't want to pastor you. I've been hurt by preachers, too. You're not the only one. I could tell you stories that curl your hair, what preachers have done to me, including one of them molested me sexually. Does that make all preachers wrong? No. You need to find a man of God that you can sit under and trust and say, oh, I want the protection of the Holy Ghost upon me. I want the protection of the Holy Ghost upon me. Because you see, today, God is measuring. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You can let this, you can put your little umbrella up and let it roll off all you want. But I'm telling you in the Lord today, God gave me this message. And you don't need to put your umbrella up and say, that must be for the other fella. That must be for somebody else. No, you need to make your calling and election sure. Make sure everything is right on the inside. And say, my God, Lord, uh, try me and see. Even as the psalmist says, search me, O Lord. Search me, try me and see if there be any wicked way in me because my heart can deceive me. I can deceive myself. I heard and I'm almost done, but Brother Stone King made this proclamation in one of his messages years ago. He said there are many ways that you can be deceived. You can fool yourself and tell yourself a lie long enough that you'll literally deceive yourself. He said, you can get over that. God can help you through it. He said, and of course, unclean spirits can come and deceive you and you can be, li- you can be lied to by the devil. And the devil can deceive you. But you can get over that too. God can help you with that. He said, but the third way, there is no recourse and there is no return when God deceives you. Scripture said, if you don't receive the love of the truth, what is the truth? That's, that's, what, that's, that's what the man said to Jesus standing there, Pilate, what is truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What is truth? Truth is the word of God. 
and you don't go in and cherry pick out what you don't like. Well, I don't like having to submit to preachers, so I'm throwing that out. Submit to those that have rule over you, for they must watch for you. They, they keep an account. They must give an account. Say, so, well, I don't like what preacher's doing. Well, half the time I don't either. And I'd go to the Lord with it. There's never going to be a time you're going to agree with everybody on every single thing. But the idea is submission. Submission is what's going to cause you to be saved. If you can't submit to a man of God, you can't submit to the Spirit of God either. If the man of God is found out to be corrupt, God will deal with that in due season. You can promise that it'll happen. But if you choose to step away, then you cannot be helped because you're saved by the foolishness of preaching. God's measuring his house. There's one more witness and one more roadblock to let you know God's got his measuring line out. And if he holds it up to your life, what will he find? Would you stand with me today?